everybody, this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, a.k.a. Mod. And welcome to another episode of Macintosh and Mod. Haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other see movies we should have already seen. Today's selection is Icarus, 2018's Academy Award winner for Best Documentary. When Brian Fogel sets out to uncover the truth about doping in sports, a chance meeting with a Russian scientist transforms his story from a personal experiment into a geopolitical thriller involving dirty urine, unexplained death, and Olympic gold, exposing the biggest scandal in sports history. What? I don't like this movie. It's weird, and it's paced poorly. Well, yeah. I have two different problems with this movie. One, philosophical. Okay. And one, technical. Okay. What do you want to talk about first here? Uh, let's just, let's just go through it. The film's main person is Brian Fogel. Correct. And this movie starts out with him talking about cycling and doping within the cycling community. Yeah, which... It's so widespread, it's obscene. It's ridiculous. It's always been widespread, though. I mean, that... So this is, this is my starting point from the movie, is mm-hmm. that it was probably a year before Lance started writing and coming back from cancer Mm -hmm. my mom at the time happened to be dating a guy who rode bikes all the time Mm -hmm. he and was into all of this stuff yeah so we watched the tour yeah we watched a little bit of it the first time and then when we found out about this guy who beat cancer who was going to ride in the tour de france and he was becoming a big deal we started catching more of it and watching it hadn't he already been doing the tour de france he started riding in the mid 90s or so he was a bike rider for a long time before he got cancer. Okay. And so he had already been writing, but the thing was, he was never an all-around performer. Mm-hmm. He was like a sprinter, okay. I believe, was his main his main thing. And he didn't have a whole lot of success when he started doing that. Yeah. So I watched all of this. Mm-hmm. I watched all seven years. Yep. By about year four or five, if you watched it and you kept listening to the rumors... And you kept hearing how adamant he was. Uh, yeah, about. And how fucking cutthroat he was about what he was doing. Oh, because, and because we, we haven't said his name. We're talking about Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Correct. All of the stuff that came out during the Oprah interview, mm-hmm. for anybody who was actually paying attention, they were like, this is, we all duh. fucking knew this. Like, yeah, duh. Like, he's an, duh. He's the biggest asshole on the face of the universe. Because he won six years in a row? Seven. Seven. And he literally ruined everyone, everyone's lives. Yeah. I mean, he went for blood Mm -hmm. after every single person he could. He's an asshole. You know, Floyd Landis was also a dick, but he was telling the truth. Yeah. And the day, the day I knew that he had done it, I remember there was this guy, oh, I cannot remember his name now, but it was like his number two guy up every mountain. Like, by all accounts... One of the best teammates mm-hmm. on the Postal Service team, just a great stand-up dude. He testified against him. Mm-hmm. And in testifying against him, said, I dope too. Yeah. That was the day I knew, nah, dude, you fucking did it. Yeah, there's no way. And he he still tested clean this whole time. Like, yeah. nothing had popped up. But I was just like, that was actually when he had come back. Yeah. But even then, I was just like, you're fucked. You are so fucked. So, okay. So this film starts with Brian Fogel talking about Lance Armstrong. And the doping scandals and him wanting to figure out how ridiculous this doping testing is. 
Right. He. It's almost like he wanted to outsmart the testing to prove how ridiculous it was so that he could almost hang on to his love of those athletes. Um, it's like he was trying to delegitimize the idea of the anti-doping well, in so the cycling I, world. Let me start out with this, though. His premise is not wrong. Doping testing is fucking stupid. And they prove it in this movie, but it is. Dope testing throughout sports is incredibly unreliable, and you can beat it just about any way you need to. It is very easy to beat the test, because the drugs are designed so very precisely to beat every test. They are constantly refined and designed so that you will not miss that urine test. This whole movie is them proving how they cheated the test. Well, yeah, I understand. The, The problem isn't the testing. The testing is actually really good. The problem is their hubris in thinking that no one would try to get around their testing. It's actually not, though. So It is. No, the hubris was that they could keep using dope while they were competing. The the key line throughout the end, throughout the part of this movie, and we're kind of jumping way in here, yeah. the key line to me, and, and this is something I already felt about with doping, mm-hmm. is that Rachenkov says they could have stopped mm-hmm. a month before and everyone would have tested clean. So you could have built up their endurance, built up their performance. But Russia made the decision to keep doping through the Olympics. Yeah. That's why they got caught. Well, yeah, but at the same time, they're still getting tested before the Olympics through all the trials and whatnot. And And you cycle down in the interim, and they don't catch you. Okay, but WADA, who is doing all the testing... And is a joke of an organization. Yes, because they did not ever put any controls around who's handling all that shit. <laughs> that is their hubris. So they're like, well, of course, once they, nobody's going to touch this shit. Nobody's, nobody's going to do anything. They put too much trust in the people working within their facilities. So we're getting into my philosophical problem with this okay. movie, which is that it makes this huge deal out of doping. I feel like doping is such a bullshit thing to impose on sports. The drugs are too good. From a practical perspective, it's impossible to keep these guys clean. The NFL system is set up that if you get busted, I mean, forgetting like this type of stuff, which is its own can of worms, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about like the NFL substance abuse policy. It's so relaxed that in order to actually get tested positive, you've got to like smoke weed every fucking day and never stop. The way that they dope test for these guys is so transparent and obvious that it's easy for anybody to create a system by which you can't get caught. Okay, well, professional sports is a different thing. That's fair. It's different. Those are people's actual careers. Now, that's not to say that you Olympics is not a career. But the whole point of the Olympics is that this is the best, best athlete in the world at this point doing this thing. And if you are taking drugs, which they will affect everybody differently, they will enhance your ability differently, that's cheating. And I would tell you that... I think doping is wrong. I would tell you that the Olympics hasn't been that since the NBA sent their top players in 1992 to the Olympics. Since then, it has all been branding and commercialism, and they don't give a crap. Oh, I And as a viewer of the Olympics... Mm -hmm. 
I honestly could care less at this point. Oh, give me the best show. Like uh, emotional Super Bowl advertising. That's all it is. Like those commercials where it's all the thanks mom stuff is just obnoxiously uh, heart pulling. For me, it's just give me the best performance I can. Like I don't, I don't care. No, because these, these, these drugs, EPO and this stuff, Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt the athlete. It doesn't. It's still, it's wrong. I don't like it. I don't like doping in the Olympics. I don't think it should exist. And that's where you and I are going to have be at loggerheads. You don't care. I I, do. I've stopped caring a lot. I consider it cheating. And, well, I consider it cheating under the rules. I think the rules are stupid. Okay, that's fair. And that's what I mean. But those are the rules, and that's a rule that I think makes sense. You can't play if you're, if you're, if you're doping. But, okay, so here's here's what I did think about that, too. Because there's the amateur part of it that's supposed to be in play. Like, the, yeah. the, the Olympics are supposed to be about the best athletes out of their own amateur pride coming every four years to perform. Yes. And it's not supposed to be this professional thing. Which is all bullshit already because McDonald's is fucking plastered on everything. So McDonald's, Coca-Cola. We've left behind Johnson, any Johnson. semblance of the spirit of countries coming and, and together. And it's, it's also bullshit to say that these are, quote-unquote, amateurs because... Those gymnasts, those swimmers, everyone, that is their full-time gig. Yeah. All day, every day, younger and younger, as young as, because they have to be 16 now to, to compete. Yeah, we've left all of that Yeah, behind. we've left the, 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 the true amateur Olympian. Now, here's the next part of that, is that all these athletes keep being asked to perform tougher and tougher and tougher things, mm-hmm. and they all dope. Don't get this crooked. Russia isn't the only one doping. They're the ones that got caught. I know. I don't pretend. But the people who create the events for these things keep making them more and more and more difficult mm-hmm. to the point where you cannot compete. You cannot be reasonably expected to compete for the Olympics unless you're on something. I don't Because everybody's on something. I, I don't believe that that's true. I don't. And this is, this is coming from watching th- stuff like the Tour de France, knowing about the doping stuff, and just looking at these events going... There's no way these guys can do this mm-hmm. without having extra oxygen in their lungs and their blood moving faster then, and having these chemical cocktails but, put into them. But then somebody who specifically just happens to be built to do something insane. Usain Bolt. The way that man is built, he automatically has an extra stride. That's one of the things that makes him so much faster. And, I mean, as far as we know, he's not doping. I'm not going to be shocked if I find out he was doping. Okay, but also, but but just we, we go through this every Olympics that he's been in. Look at the way his body is built compared to the, the runners next to him. And that, that is not a result of doping. Not a result of doping as we know it. Well, <sighs> I'm just... Same, okay, then same thing with Michael Phelps. The way that man's body is built, his arms are considerably longer than his body. Like, they're not proportional. Okay, the way Lance Armstrong was built mm-hmm. was also insane. That was always commented on, and yeah, he was doping. He, sh- he should not have been as fast as he was. No. Because of his built. Michael Phelps, because of the way he was built, was able to be faster, particularly with the fly, which was a specialty. If there's anything we've learned from what happened in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you look like, man. No, it just I doesn't. understand that. But, you know, when you've got oars for arms, you're going to be able to swim faster than somebody who doesn't. That's right. Just, and that's and a, then when you also fact. put some EPO in you and you can breathe faster underwater, then you're going to be able to go and even faster. I don't think that's okay. I, I don't like the doping. I think that's wrong. I have 
come to the conclusion. Don't care, and you've moved on. Exactly. And that's fine. Which it, it's and, not and, gonna keep me from watching it. it. Well, exactly. But what I what I have a problem with isn't so much that there's that tension there, but that this movie is so haughty about it, mm-hmm. is so adamant about fair play. Yeah. When they don't ever concern themselves with all of the internal politics of this. Yes. They hint at it because they show some things sometimes, but then they keep saying the spirit of fair play and all this stuff. And it's like, guys, the IOC doesn't fucking care. No. And they never will. WADA, of course, cares, but that's because it justifies their existence as a giant, giant organization that makes millions and millions of dollars. So, like, this is all down to corporate interests. Oh, I, I completely agree. Nobody likes the idea of the people on the platform being, you know, quote unquote, superheroes. You know, they, they don't like that. They, you know, they want them to be natural heroes uh, of, of their sport. And because and it makes it sounds like a better story. I get that. Yeah. Every Olympics is about what is what is the the sob story? What is the, you know, triumph over adversity? Those are the stories. And we love it and we eat it up. We just do every time. It, it's the original reality show. Well, to be fair, I think that's um, <laughs> I think that's more what we as Americans put into it. Oh, I don't know sure. that it's the same way In across the world. Well, that's certainly how America edits it to us. Jeez. And, I mean, for and sure. that's its own thing. Please get NBC away from the Olympics. Please, God, bring it back to ABC. Not like it's going to be that much Even better. Even CBS, come on. Oh, no, God, they'd I would, be worse. I prefer ABC. CBS would be worse. But Anyways. bottom line is... That's something else about this movie. It's very American-centric. It's very Western, not even Western. It's very us-centric well, okay. and our logic behind these sports. Okay, but that's how we get into it. So Brian's decide, Brian, our director, has decided, I'm going to do a doping series, and I'm going to do this crazy, this hot route in France, which is the worst days of Tour de France. Route Haute, I believe. Route Haute. No, I'd never heard of no, this. No, it's Haute Root. Okay. Well, yeah. I'd never heard of this, but apparently it's seven days of it's the, the worst, worst mountains. Parts, parts of the tour. The tour, the tour. And like, I'm looking at back a couple of these like, oh yeah, I know that mountain. I know that mountain too. Oh like, shit, the they do this all in a row? The cameraman asked Brian, okay, do you win anything for this? Like, you get a certificate? He goes, yeah, you get certified in stupidity. <laughs> this is just his hobby. This is what he does. So he's, that's what he's doing this for. And, but he wants to be able to cheat the test, the doping test. Yeah, and in, so he finds. Well, his, so his logic, because I I do I do appreciate this. His logic is he knows this is bullshit, and he wants to prove that it's bullshit. Yeah, and I love that. No, I'm. I think that's I'm a great way that. to go into it. I'm fine with that. So finds a doctor mm-hmm. to figure out his regimen, and then he finds a scientist dude for how to cheat the test. And the scientist is going with him up to a point, and then right as he's about to start, the guy the guy who's American goes, I'm not going to do this, because my reputation's on the line, mm-hmm. and I don't want to participate This is a guy this. who works for WADA, who helped create all of this testing. And his thing is, if I help you cheat, I've, I've ruined my, what I've spent my entire career creating. Yeah, he's That's at UCLA. Fair. So fair. he's like, but there is a guy who might be willing to help you. Oh, and why do you say that? Uh, to answer that question, I'd have to say some not nice things about him. But give him a call. And then we meet Grigory Rochenkov. Yeah. Let's Grigory. just talk about Grigory for a while. He is 
like a cartoon villain. But not. But like an anti-villain. He's a cartoon Russian is what he is. He is. He's got that accent. He never wants to wear his shirt. (laughs) Which I can sympathize with. Sometimes I like to go shirtless. It's whatever. He's a genius scientist. And an athlete. And an athlete. Well, former athlete, but. Uh, He was a runner. And uh, he won, like, the L.A. Marathon without even training for it. Yeah. And he ran the Wada Lab in Russia. And he was in charge of all of the doping, getting through testing for all of Sochi. Yep. 2016. Oh, amongst other things. Uh, And beyond. He helped create the whole program for every single event for every single athlete that went through Russia. Starting in about 2008, I believe. That's it looks he like he was in charge, but he was working in the lab since the 80s. Right. He'd been working with them yeah. since 1984, which makes sense. That was after the boycott. Yeah. I think it was in 2008, Beijing was when he took over. Yes. And he helped create the regimen and how to beat it. And then I think it was the next, what was the next Olympics? The next one. London. Russia didn't do well. And some people got caught. That must have been Vancouver or London, but... And he went to jail. Yes. And... He mostly went to psych wards. Yeah, well, he tried to kill himself. They decided to let him out on one condition. We're going... uh, We're going to get Sochi, and we're... No one's getting caught. Well, to be fair, they had... Sochi had already been announced Mm -hmm. during Beijing. True. So Putin's plan was, we need to make a good showing at Sochi. Now... Geopolitics aside, yeah, Russia is not this giant, enormous threat. They are a second-tier country at best. Their, econ- their economy right now is in the toilet. It has been forever. And the thing about this was, it- it's a complete way to earn Putin back some favor. His approval ratings a, at this point were PR stunt. in the fucking toilet. Well, and to be fair, whoever hosts the Olympics... That home country tends to do the best across the board. It depends on and the country. To usually, what you and what most commentators attribute that to is that the athletes from that country do not have the stress of travel. That's part of it. Um, and so that is not a factor in getting acclimated to the culture, the time. There's a different language being spoken around them. Like they just have to show up at their hotel which they've already seen probably a thousand times at this point. Like, they're home. Yeah. And, and that's fair. And it is. it would be truly embarrassing as the home country, uh, the host country, not to do at least reasonably well. But the problem with that is, is that Russia mm-hmm. doesn't have the means and the capabilities of training like of countries like the U.S. or England or any of these first world countries do correct they are a second tier partner and they if don't have that stuff but what they do have hockey ice skating or gymnastics they don't have the best shot but what they do have is ingenuity in spades and a willingness to do whatever it takes to win they are first world cheaters and honestly man i, I can't blame them or be that upset about it because it's kind of fucking incredible what they pulled off. Like the heist part of this story yeah. is pretty fucking The heist great. part is pretty amazing. Like the, the KGB the guy K- who's just, or not KGB, excuse me, FSB, because that is who they are. Formerly. But the guy who just looks at the, the bottle, 
like this bottle that's supposed to have this tamper-proof lid, Mm -hmm. which is another huge fucking no-no from WADA. Not thinking, we've got this foolproof technological system. Oh, no, you fucking don't. It's always fallible. Everything can be Anybody who wants to crack your safe will crack it. And this guy's just like, give me 30 minutes. Click, 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 click. Boom. Here you go. I pulled the lid. (laughs) Yeah. No, that whole thing, like the switching of the... the... That part is interesting. The problem with this movie is that it took us 30 minutes of Lance Armstrong, much like this podcast episode, 30 minutes of Lance Armstrong to get to the Russia scandal. Exactly. And it should have been about 15 minutes. This is a journalistic documentary Mm -hmm. posing as a verite documentary. Correct. There's so much shit he could have cut off. This is my technical problem with the movie. Okay. Is how fucking long it takes us to get into the meat of this story. It should only take us five minutes to get through the entire cycling portion. Hard cut, fast cut, hard cut. Go with the Michael Moore approach here, because you need to get to the fucking story. I understand about 15 minutes of, hey, I'm going to do the cycling thing. I want to prove the doping is stupid. And hey, this is how, because that's how he got to Gregory. So I understand that backstory, but it should have been 15, 20 minutes tops. Yeah. And then throughout the movie, there's still so much crap about his doping. All the 1984 shit. Yeah, I didn't need any of it. All of the, the George Orwell doublespeak, which is just the fucking worst. Y'all gotta stop misquoting him. Okay, but that's interesting because those books are banned in Russia. And well, he was yeah. In for... America, and he's reading them. He's like, this is what my life is. This well, to is be what fair, Orwell was writing about Soviet Russia. So. Exactly. So that's, that's, this, that actually makes sense here, and I'm okay with it. But, you know, it got really interesting when he starts talking with the Justice Department and WADA. And he's sitting down with a lawyer who's who's like, nope, I, I can't I can't do this. And then we find out that they've talked to other lawyers and the other lawyers are like, hey, we have a Russia firm. We can't do this. It's a conflict of interest. Yeah, which makes sense. It's just well, it's nuts. It's all fucking money all the way down. Uh, it, it always is. But that became more interesting. And then, you know... Gregory talking to his wife and being like, they're putting me in protection. And she's like, okay, so that's it? Yeah, you're probably not going to see me again. Probably not. He's probably never going to see his wife or his children again. No. But, uh, uh, he loses a son and a daughter. He has two children. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he had to flee the country. And this is this is why this doping shit for me mm-hmm. is so enormously stupid. Mm-hmm. Because... We are literally causing international crises because of a stupid fucking rule in sports. In sports which do not have any weight behind them. That's and, and what undermines that is the IOC's decision to yeah. allow the Federation to compete in Rio. Okay, so, yeah. So Sochi happens, and then a bunch of this stuff comes out before the Rio Olympics. A German television station... Gets a documentary together, which, God bless Europe, they have so much more fucking knowledge of this shit and do such a better job reporting news. Mm -hmm. ADR in Germany reports this entire scandal and breaks it. And they start investigating. Mm -hmm. And Rachenkov flees the country because he thinks, or he he knows they're getting closer and closer to to getting at him. Wada is. And he's willing... To reveal everything, but he cannot be in the country when it happens. Because he's expendable to the Russian sport ministry. Yes. And yeah. So, because he takes his, he 
destroys all of the records in Russia. Exactly. And takes his laptop with him. So and that's not unreasonable. The deaths under mysterious circumstances are very common in Russia because it's a mafia state. Yep. Like, for everybody who wants to think about Russia, the way I view them is not as this incredible world power. It's just like, imagine if the mafia ran a government. Mm-hmm. That's what Russia is. They're not incredibly smart. They've just got a bunch of guys who can tough the shit out of people to yeah. get them to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. <laughs> and that's what this movie proves. Yeah. Rudchenkov is lucky because he manages to get to America and well, get this he, stuff out. He's lucky he met Brian. Yeah. Brian's the one who got him out. He's the one who bought his plane ticket and he had to buy a round trip. Because. Because a one way would look suspicious. They can't. They, they don't want him to get flagged. Yeah. So. You know, long story short, he winds up publishing with the New York Times because their concern is for his safety and they know if he goes public now they can't really kill him. They can't do anything violent to him because that's retaliation. Yes. They can totally seek justice, which is what they do. They try to get, get him extradited, mm-hmm. but that's it. And then the just the Justice Department says, well, we're going to take him into custody because he's obviously a bad there's actor. There's a credible threat on your life because, oh, other dude he worked with covering all this dies the head of rosada yeah his, dies of a heart his attack best friend throughout this whole career of his working uh-huh. in this lab he's like he dies of a heart attack he's like i saw him i talked to him two days ago he's never complained about his heart he's young and he's healthy now meanwhile gregory is still also just kind of crazy and wonderful and lovable this whole time yes i have uh, to keep I'm, adding that in because he's a lovable character he really is he he he's like yeah i did this thing and it's bad but okay everybody else would have done it too yeah it's just yeah it's just it's a matter of fact and he's just like yeah russians were were the big cheaters were the best cheaters it just it again it just comes back to me of like this is all so stupid the moral imperative behind this is clearly outweighed by the damage it does to people in countries who are, for various political reasons, trying to get ahead. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I, I, you know, if Russia is doing this, let's talk about third, third world states that possibly try to do this kind of shit. And much, much worse happens to people yep. if stuff pops out. This is why I, I, I'm fine if you want to regulate how much performance enhancing drugs people should mm-hmm. be allowed to do. But at a certain point, man, it's dumb. It's just dumb to keep doing this when people's lives are at stake. Yeah, IOC isn't responsible for a country making threats on an athlete's life. They're not. But they could change their rules to fix this easily. Easily. But, but how many countries are, are would do this? As many as could get the drugs into their countries. I guarantee it. <sighs> Well, in about 20 years, we'll find out how many of those people are, um, how many countries <laughs> those are. Um, so we know 2016 in Rio, they recommended that all of the Russian athletes be disqualified. At first, they did. WADA did. WADA said no. And IAAF, the International Association of Athletics Federations, mm-hmm. which runs track and field, yeah, they outright banned them. Yes. The IOC says... Can't do that. Can't do a blanket ban. And they ended up out of like 350 athletes, about 250 were allowed to compete in Rio. Yeah. So some people got disqualified and then some people, I remember watching that and it was very contentious. It was. And it it was very contentious for the people who investigated it. And it was very contentious for the athletes who, who, I mean, 
as far as we know, we're not doping, and I would be fucking pissed too. Now, you want to talk about the history that came after this? So we had an Olympics this year that was affected by what was found out during this movie. Hmm. Okay. We go back to the premiere date of this movie for the history. Okay. Because stuff started happening after January 2017, Mm -hmm. which is when this movie premiered at Sundance. Mm -hmm. Okay. It seems like the reason the IOC made its report is that there's no clear evidence of doping. Okay. In essence, what we had here was a clear regimen of faking tests. Okay. But there's no way to actually prove that they were taking drugs. Mm -hmm. And the IOC, under their purview would never be able to make that decision anyway. That's fair. Not to mention the politics of this. Man, it's stupid. Vladimir Putin (laughs) controls a country who is really also run by a shadow government of a bunch of fucking billionaires who have a shit ton of money that want to pump that into things like the Olympics. Hey, guess what says America now? But I'm ching. But the the IOC is a money factory and they don't fucking care. Mm -hmm. So... That's the politics behind that decision. Mm -hmm. Starting in January 2017, Water claims that there's concerns of insufficient evidence to make the case against the McLaren report. Okay. But they can't reach any of the athletes. No fucking way. Wow. Some of it is that actually these athletes are in such remote places that Mm -hmm. you can't get in touch with them, like fucking Siberia. Yeah. And some of it is the Russian authorities won't let you get to them. No, you cannot talk to them. Because why would you? Of course not. Like, I... Some of this is, I cannot blame Russia for the tactics they take. September of that year, Russia tries to claim WADA was responsible for Rachenkov, which is just laughable. (laughs) That is pretty funny. But they said, he was in your laboratory, so you were responsible for him. And they were like, that's not how we work. (laughs) So finally, in November, the IOC makes its determination because it did its own study Mm -hmm. so that it could make its recommendations. It sanctions 43 athletes, strips 13 medals from the Sochi Olympics from Mm -hmm. Russia. On the 10th of November, Putin accuses the U.S. of causing problems and WADA obtains an electronic file of numerous screenings via an unknown whistleblower. Mm -hmm. From 2012 to 2015, they get all these Russian studies that have not been shown to them by Russian authorities. The Russians actually called whistleblowers traitors. Which is a clear sign that what they have to say is true. On the 11th, Rachenkov provides new evidence to the IOC and considers going public with that. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to November 30th, the IAAF makes its final sanctions. In 2012, they named 48 athletes total, 22 of which were Russian that should have been sanctioned, 61 in 2008, 19 of whom were Russian. And then in the Winter Olympics, only one in 2010 and none in 2006. Mm-hmm. Rachenkov was also apparently asked to incriminate a Ukrainian athlete by the Russian authorities. Because, of course, Russia is technically at war with Ukraine. They won't say it, but they annexed Crimea. Yep. They told him to put in a false positive. Oh, yeah. And he is quoted as saying, during my career, I reported many dirty samples as clean, but never the other way around. I would never, ever give a false positive on any athlete. That's his ethical that, standard. That was his line. I understand that. I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll say dirty people are clean, but I won't say clean person's dirty. Because that's wrong. That's fair. That's, I can understand that I, more I, line. I, I do understand that being the line. So finally, in December 2017... The IOC makes its call, and Mm -hmm. this is what we talked about. They officially suspend the Russian Federation 
from the 2018 Olympic Winter Games. Yep. But they allow any athletes with no prior drug violations and a consistent history of testing to compete under the Olympic flag under a name called the Olympic Athletes of Russia. No government officials are allowed. No presence of the Russian Federation is allowed. Mm -hmm. Only the athletes under an independent flag. They ID'd 43 athletes from Sochi to ban for all future Olympics as well. All but one of those athletes appealed to the International Court of Arbitration for sport. 28 had their convictions overturned and reinstated to full status. Wow. 11 were held accountable. And though the court of arbitration said that it didn't mean that they had to be accepted to the gangs, we're not saying these people aren't guilty of doing something wrong, Mm -hmm. but we're saying that we're not, they can't be banned from competing forever. Yeah. But we will uh, deny Russia the honor of the Olympics. The court of arbitration says... We can't do anything about what the IOC says, whether or not they want to invite somebody. Yeah. That's their decision. Mm -hmm. But these people cannot be banned from competition Mm -hmm. because that is something that we have jurisdiction jurisdiction over. Okay. They then said that only 39 could be banned and only be banned from the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. No future ban was allowed. I, I can kind of see that because it's what they're being banned for by the time the next Olympics come around, which is four years later, um, you know, because there's winter and summer, they could no longer be doping. You're talking about a court of law versus, which it's international law it's and international it's bizarre law, so it's and bizarre it's fucking weird. Fall. 500 Russian athletes were submitted to the pool for the 2018 Olympic Games. 111 were denied outright by the IOC. Only 169 were invited, and one speed skater dropped out, stating they were using this as a political game. Russia considered a boycott internally as a country. Public sentiment was very against the Olympic independent athletes that the Russian Federation should totally be allowed to compete. Mm -hmm. And many viewed it as retaliation for the anti-gay laws at Sochi. WADA comes out and slams the IOC yet again. For not outright banning these guys, saying again, there were 99% of athletes that were doping. Mm -hmm. We have clear evidence. And they just looked at it as at the IOC somehow trying to ride the line and save face while still paying lip service to Mm -hmm. Russia. And immediately following the Winter Games, like three days later, Mm -hmm. the Russian Federation was reinstated as an Olympic member. Yeah, so for 2018... You get no medals. Slap on the wrist. So, yeah. Slap on the wrist for 2018 Winter Games. Starting back again in Tokyo in 2020, they're right back in the thick of it. Yep. And those same athletes who got in trouble, you got till 2022 in Beijing. To, to clean your shit up. Yep. I mean, I understand, I, I understand that. Like, And we get a little coda to this story, too, by the way. Oh, even more? During the World Cup mm-hmm. in Sochi. Which was like five minutes ago. Well, it's in Russia this year. Yeah. So it was all over. Rachenkov claimed that at least one of the Russian players was somebody he knew from the doping program. And on July 20th, mm-hmm. so we're talking Friday. We're recording this Saturday the 21st. Yep. Dating ourselves there. Nice job by us. Yeah, well. Details of 120 doping cases were released by the IAAF. 85 involve Olympic and World Championship medalists. Mm-hmm. And of those 120 cases, 47.5% involve Russian athletes. Yeah. um, It's not going to end. But here's the thing. People take World Cup way more seriously than the Olympics. But also, Russia had no chance of winning that shit. So 
they're 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 gonna have a problem with that. No, they're not. I I could I could see the World Cup being like fuck you people. No, goodbye. Oh, oh, have you ever met FIFA? FIFA is its own little mafia. I know it's a different mafia. FIFA uh, would no 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 no. FIFA is totally fine with players doing know. what the fuck ever they want. International sports is the dirtiest fucking thing on the face of the planet. It just is. It is very hard to accept, but once you get there, you just start looking at it. This is why I'd rather just watch the Olympics on the BBC feed. Because you know what they show? The event. And that's it. No, I agree. That's all I give a shit about. I don't care about the story. It doesn't work for me. Because I look at all these people and I go, I don't fucking care. Half of you are doping. What do I give a shit about it? This is partly why I stopped really wanting to watch sports, period. A lot of it was because we cut cable, but you know. I don't don't watch sports. I know. I don't really care. I, I can get sucked into the Olympics, though. And I understand. What I love about the movie is the drama it builds. Yes. What I hate about the movie is the tone that it takes. And that's that philosophical issue for me about it. It's that thing of it just feels so high and mighty when I'm like, dude, don't pretend like U.S. athletes haven't done this shit for just as long. We could easily take 30 minutes out of this movie because it does run at two hours. But, okay, so this is the last documentary that we're covering in our documentary series. Whew. And I will say that this one, along with The Thin Blue Line, were the most impactful documentaries. Um, I say Thin Blue Line because they got a man out of prison. Yeah. And that's that's no small feat. True. Uh, this one actually has, it will continue to have repercussions for a while on a very large industry. Maybe. Which is the su- sporting industry. It's always going to be talked about. Yeah, I mean... It it will be 50-plus years before people stop talking about Russian doping, assuming they stop. They're not going they won't. to. That's the only... If they never get caught again, it could go away, but it won't. No, it will never go away. Uh, no. Uh, just like every... T- like, I mean, Tanya Harding's never going to go away. No, because and... it happened. So every time we see people on skates, we're going to talk about it. My biggest thing is just don't get all up in a tizzy mm-hmm. when you find out that the U.S. has the same type of program somewhere. Yeah. Because they probably do, and, and they've just figured out how to beat the rules I mean, every single time. Like I said, the, what what ultimately comes out here is the only reason Russia got caught was because they were stupid enough to think they could do it during the Olympics. Yeah, they got cocky. Everybody knows that it's like, you do it while you train, then you drop off right before so that it doesn't show up on anything. Yeah. And your endurance has been built up enough that you're not at peak performance, but you're still better than you would have been. All right, so neither of us had seen this before. No. So I guess I'll go first with my rating. How many... Needles of EPO. Urine urine samples. Urine samples. Frozen urine samples. Frozen urine samples. I think the urine. I'm going to say 2.5. Really? I'm going to go right down the middle because while it's not my favorite, it's been very impactful. And um, it made me think a lot about the Olympics and professional sporting and just all this competition stuff. Um, So it made me think a lot. And... Some of our other documentaries didn't really do that. Wow, I thought you'd go higher because I'm going three. Okay. Like I said, I don't want to put my personal stuff into it much, though I think that knocks it off a star for me because my personal take on sports and my personal take on the idea of doping 
it's just it's so it's such this one-sided idea of it that it fails to look at that other side which is such Mm -hmm. a big part of what's going on here and would allow the viewer to make a more holistic decision the other thing for me then is this issue of it's so fucking long and it doesn't need to be like Brian is interesting as a conduit for us to see this stuff. Yeah. But he just needs to be present. I don't need to know his entire life story. He kept too much of himself in this film. Right. And uh, yeah. Which again, he's not a journalist. So I don't think he ever intended it for it to be that way. He won an Oscar. Well, he won an Oscar. And for me, the thing about this movie that that makes it even better than a 2.5 straight down the middle is Mm -hmm. it is incredibly competently done. It's really well made. Yes. And the story does keep propelling. Mm -hmm. It just takes so long to get there. That after a while, you know, you're like, we just keep going. It's like, oh, my God, there's another hour. Yeah. Like, oh, man, like, we've only gotten this far. Wow. Uh, Because they cover a lot of ground. That's why we're at this many minutes. But like I said, I mean, that's the other thing. This covers a lot of ground because yesterday shit went down. I mean, yeah, a lot happened. So it's still going on and it's not going to stop anytime soon. That's the end of our documentary series. Yeah, that was that was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So what are we doing next? What's our next little snippet? Uh, I believe it's sports. Sports. Sports ball. Sports ball. So, so it's kind of fitting, which again, I did not do this on purpose when I set up like, which which movie are we going to do when? I just tried to make it like, let's not do all the bummers next to each other. <laughs> um so we're we're doing sports movies. We just covered a sports documentary, so we're gonna do a bunch of sports films. Ooh. Uh, we've got a couple. I think this one's pretty evenly split with what you haven't seen, what I haven't seen, and we're gonna start with Slapshot. Now you haven't seen this, correct? Neither have I. Oh, I thought you had. No. Oh, well. I have always Whoops. always wanted to watch this movie. Whoops. We we are big hockey fans. Uh, the stars. Here in Dallas, are a really fun team. They're not always winners, but they're always fun. Well, and you know we we we're '90s hockey fans. Yeah. But watching some '70s hockey shit, nuts, dude. If you have never given yourself the pleasure of going and watching '70s hockey fights, there's one <laughs> out there. I think it's the Bruins and yeah, the Flyers. You, you've shown that to me so many times, but we really we really like hockey. It's when just when fun. when hockey players would go fight the fans in the yeah. stands, like. It's a fucking great sport, and this is in the heyday of its most violent era when this Major League-esque hockey comedy comes out. Yeah, so we'll be back next week with our coverage of Slapshot. We're going to be way sillier than we are this time. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous. Uh, And then... Uh, if you guys want to hear more of us, we've got a Patreon now. Uh, we launched our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Macintosh and Mod. And if you join at the $3 a month or higher level, you will get extra bonus footage from us every month. Which includes a little uh, episode about a movie uh, called Apocalypse Now. Uh, which we did specifically for this podcast to to get us into last week's coverage of Hearts of Darkness. Yeah. And then we've also got Josie and the Pussycats. Also applicable to this. Yes. And also for our Riverdale podcast, The Doghouse. And then for our My Little Pony fans, we covered the first Equestrian Girls little feature. Which kind of applies to this, sort of. It's movie-like. It Yeah. It's a, sh- it's a short, it's more of a featurette. Ooh. Yeah. 
So that's a lot of fun. Um, please consider joining us over there. Uh, we've got a, something for everybody. This week we saw The Spy Who Dumped Me. Audrey and Morgan are best friends who unwittingly become entangled in an international conspiracy when one of the women discovers the boyfriend who dumped her was actually a spy. What? This is a really fun, dumb movie. It is. Uh, when we looked at what was what we could see this weekend, you know, we, we hadn't finished MI4 or 5, so we didn't really want to go see 6 yet. We were just like, you know, we've seen some heavier films. We need some dumb. And this delivered on that promise. It was delightfully dumb. Like, it's not a bad film. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's like definitely an R. <laughs> a hard R. Uh, for the violence. For the violence, the language, and there is some full frontal male nudity. I know. We we do the wonderful subversion of, of tropes with all the female gags involved in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's quite good. The one thing is it does drag after a while. It's it's maybe 20 minutes too long. The the jokes get stale. Like we we're like okay, it's the same joke over and over again. Can we please move on and move the plot forward? But I I really like it as a female action film. And a female action film that does not badass the women up too much. No. Our two female leads have no guile, no wits, and have to somehow figure out how to deal with all this shit. Yeah, and it's great. And, you know, Mila Kunis is adorable. Kate McKinnon is great. I do wish people knew what to do with her a little bit more. She reminds me so much of Robin Williams. A little bit. You can tell where she has just been riffing and she's just going off and she's beyond skilled at that. But I feel like they... Directors let her do that so much, they and they know it's funny, but they don't know how to edit it down or minimize it to work better for the story and the character. Right. It just after a while, the jokes just keep going and going and going until eventually you're just going, I don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah, you kind of just be like, stop. This is exhausting. Yeah. But she's amazing, so we love her, so she gets to exist in all the ways she wishes to. I think it's a matter of, I mean, the only reason Anchorman works as well as it does is because Adam McKay and I don't know who their editors were, knew when to cut off the jokes, when to splice the right moments in. And that's a learning curve for any director. I mean, this is the second movie from this director and the first giant budget feature, and Per her other credits, Susanna Fogel looks like might be one of her only big giant budget features. Yeah, uh, she wrote this with Daniel Iverson or David Iverson. David Iserson. Iserson. I was close. Uh, he actually had a big long Twitter thread about them writing this film. Uh, it's great. It's a little insightful in that, like, ultimately this was just about two friends making a story and getting it made, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, it's just a fun movie. It's a good summer flick. Yeah. It's what I wish we had more of this summer, honestly. We didn't, we had a lot of it last summer with stuff like Kong Skull Island. And... Yeah, we had Pirate. Like, we just had a lot of, like, we know this is a dumb film. Let's go enjoy it. Though, to be fair, The Meg is coming out soon. <sighs> 
Okay, the Meg looks so bad, but that trailer is great. It looks so bad in such a good way. Like, the person who made that trailer, props to you, because this movie's a turd. There's no way this movie's not a turd, but you made a great trailer for uh, it. W- Kong Skull Island could have easily been a turd, and it was, it was turd, kind of but awesome. it was a fun turd. I know. I mean, it's all about calibrating your expectations. Exactly. Like, I went into this knowing I'm going to see two funny ladies... Pretend to be spies. <laughs> Plus Justin Thoreau, who's really hot. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm good. Let's go. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Go have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Yeah. Don't let everything be a downer in your movie life. Not everything has to be a downer. Not everything has to make you feel something profound. And not everything has to be Oscar bait. Right? Yeah, because we're getting into that real soon. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.